and we rationalize the circumstances before us, but, but we're learning right here, circumstances must be treated with caution because God's way is not always our way. And David's example for us here is David saw, he knew what was right when everyone else around him was telling him to do what he should not do, it's integrity. Welcome to Live in the Light. We're glad you stopped by for an important message. My name's Craig Turnbull, and I'm the host of our program. And in a moment, we'll hear from our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Hey, we're in the middle of an important series looking at the life of David. And today we consider the integrity of this great king. Now, integrity is an important word in our day, and this particular season of global change, it's so important. And as we'll see from God's word today, from David's life, integrity, most importantly, matters a great deal to God. Let's dive into God's word together. And here now is Pastor Robbie with today's teaching from 1 Samuel 24. So David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So if you're like me, you're reading the story. Okay, so Saul goes in the cave, he's relieving himself and there's David and his men and David sneaks up behind him and cuts a corner off his robe. You're just like, <laughs> how does that happen? I mean, how did he do that without being noticed? Well, the Bible tells us David's got stealth, man. He's, 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 he, David is the original Mission Impossible, you know? He goes in and you know what I get insight from this? Insight for me is in chapter 26, when, when Saul attacking David again, and David and his men, they go and they sneak in the midst of the army and it says, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon uh, the army. So he's able to go in and steal Saul's uh, spear and to walk out and then call to Saul again. Listen, if God wants David to be able to cut off a piece of his robe and not get caught, uh, he's gonna allow David to do that. And so this is what's happening. But notice the integrity and the conviction of David. Notice it says, as soon as he cut off the corner of his robe, it says, David's heart struck him. I love, I, lo I love the conscience of David. This is where we say, well, what's the big deal? Uh, who cares? This is a corner of the robe. Why, why can't we just relax about this? Well, here's the lesson of integrity here. This is when integrity says and lives. It's this, if it matters to God, it matters to me. Integrity says and lives. If it matters to God, then it matters to me. There's so much here in verses three to seven. I want to summarize this with four principles of application, which will be on the screen uh, for you to see. Let's just, let's unpack integrity uh, further here. Notice in these verses, integrity understands and lives, number one, that the end does not justify the means. So just think, if David kills Saul, all of David's problems go away. Goodbye caves, hello palace. Goodbye running for your life, hello sitting on the throne. Goodbye trial, hello triumph. And how we are so tempted by the same because we want the end so bad, we justify the means of how to get there, but integrity does not do that. You know how we look at the church today, the church must be so careful to not equate results with the blessing of God 
and by disregarding as the how we get the results doesn't even matter. Integrity knows the end does not justify the means. Uh, Secondly, integrity understands and lives that circumstances must be treated with caution. Again, everything in front of David seemed to say, kill Saul, yet this would not be the way of God. David's circumstances, again, from a human perspective, well, here's Saul, we're gonna kill him. In fact, what God was doing was allowing the circumstance to teach David further of patience, of waiting, of forbearance, and of faith in his God. That was the lesson that God wanted to instruct David with. So isn't it fascinating though, how we see the circumstances before us? And I've heard it a hundred times. The reason we buy a certain house, the reason we make a move in our career, the reason we accumulate more, and I've heard it, we rationalize because we're sensing guilt and we try to appease the guilt by rationalizing these decisions we're making that are really just self-indulgent pursuits. And we throw God on top of that and we all, it's for ministry or it's like this. And I don't believe there's all these negative intentions, but we say these phrases to, again to make ourselves feel better and come up with the reason we really want to do that. But the real reason that we're doing this is because we just want to please ourselves. You say, Robbie, how do you know this? Because I've done it too. And we rationalize the circumstances before us, but, but we're learning right here, circumstances must be treated with caution because God's way is not always our way. And David's example for us here is David saw, he knew what was right when everyone else around him was telling him to do what he should not do. It's integrity. We learn this, integrity understands and lives that the details matter to God. The details matter to God. Again, the cutting off of Saul's robe by David is very instructional for us, because seemingly it's just a corner of the robe. Like who, like who cares about that? Well, again, I, the remarkable conscience of David, as soon as he does it, he's like, that was wrong. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. And his heart is struck. Let me ask you, man, do you have a sensitive conscience to the things of the Lord? One of the great ways you know that you're growing in integrity is that you, um, it, it's, it is not that you don't make mistakes, right? Like David made an error here, but as soon as he does it, that was wrong, that was wrong. And you sense the Holy Spirit. You are sensitive to what God's voice is saying to you when you hurt your family member, when you, uh, at work, you do, when you, you just sin. And quickly, quickly, like, no, 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 I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that. Are you sensitive to the, to the Spirit of God? And then to, you have resolved to make it right. That's a very, very good sign in your life. If that's happening, it's a bad sign if it's, if it's not. Integrity works through this in all sorts of ways. Integrity, a few examples. Integrity understands that when I'm tempted to steal from work, whether big or small, uh, it's still stealing. It's just not yours. Integrity understands that when I cheat in business and I, I cheat the government, it, well, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it, man. Who cares? Take cash. No big deal. But you're actually breaking the laws of man and you're breaking the laws of God. And at that point, integrity says, well, I'm going to trust in the Lord as opposed to trusting in myself. And that's what obedience is. It's a step of faith and trusting what God has said is right. Another example is integrity is if you don't have a wheelchair parking pass, don't park in a wheelchair spot. You're like, why do you bring that example up? Well, a couple weeks ago, I was with one of my kids 
and uh, I was waiting for Jill and the girls to come out from something, and the parking lot was packed, and I was just there for a couple of minutes, and I just wanted to pull in. I was going to get out of the car, and I was just going to pull in the car, and there was uh, two kind of wheelchair spots over there. I just pulled in one, and just I kind of think Jill's going to be here just a second, and my child that was beside me, who will be, remain unnamed again, of course, at this time, he's like, Dad, I don't, I don't think you should, uh, you should do that. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, do what, son? And he's like, oh, you're parking in the wheelchair spot. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm here for a couple minutes. I think I see Jill come right there, and there's a spot beside us that's open, and so if someone comes in, they can have that, and someone else comes. Look at my rationalization happening, right? And then I say, well, you know, and I can just pull out if someone wants to be here, and he's like, yeah, Dad, I just, I just don't think you should do that. And I said, well, you know, son, what I think you should do right now, you know? <laughs> and... Um, you know, I was, I, was just, I, was, I was thinking about that, though, and it's amazing how the integrity of my child was convicting my own heart. Because really, at the end of the day, he's right. I mean, how do you argue that? And I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, wow, like, when you lack integrity in small things, it just can lead to bigger things, can it not? Watch out in your lives, love. Watch out, man. Like, look at your life right now. And when you find little areas getting cut corners and little, oh, it's no big deal, no big deal, that's when our hearts are more on the path to Saul than they are to David. The details, and that's not legalism, okay? I, I, I hate legalism. I'm not talking about, well, if I don't park in the wheelchair spot, then God loves me more. No, 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 okay? This is simply doing what's right because of God's grace within my life, and I want to live a life of consistency and authenticity. We see here that integrity understands and lives this fourthly, that um, God is in charge of justice, not me. So look at verse seven. It says, so David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now this is a very powerful point of integrity. Now notice here, David's men um, were arguing. Now that word persuaded in the Hebrew, it, it's a strong word of they were debating. So this was like, David, kill Saul. And David's like, no, I don't want to do it. No, 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 David, kill. And guys were gathering around, David, kill him. Do it. Come on, man. This is your chance. And David had to stand up against all his men and he persuaded them in debate and argument. Not only he wasn't going to kill them, but the text says that they would not kill him either. Because David in his integrity knew if God is going to kill Saul, so be it, but it won't be by my sword and it won't be by your swords either. That's integrity. This is why Hebrews 10 it says, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And a powerful way to live is to know that vengeance belongs to the Lord, not you or me. And to trust him with that, to trust him with that. Integrity is a resolve for God's way. By the way, just before we move on, I wanted to say this. The, I've been in ministry long enough. I've seen my own heart long enough. The number one reason we fail and suffer in life the number one reason we fail and suffer in life is because we are resolved to do things our own way, not God's. The number one reason marriages fail 
is because it's people who refuse to do it the way of God and they're so bent on their own way. The number one reason churches fail is because they're bent on their own way, not God's. I did a wedding yesterday and it's just a blessing to stand before this couple and you're sitting there and you're, you're exhorting them in God's word and you look at them and I, with all my heart and you say, hey, listen, listen, uh, uh, man, man, woman, if you will choose to make your life about the Lord and you will choose to make your life about the other person, I guarantee you things will go well. And I really like your chances in this thing called marriage. Because simply put, the ways of Jesus Christ just work. They just work. Again, wisdom, wisdom, phones for you. Wisdom, wisdom. The ways of Jesus Christ just work. When you build your life in selflessness, when you build your life in the honoring of the other person, when you build your life in Jesus Christ is your all, I mean, it's, it's not guaranteed to be easy. It is guaranteed to see the grace and the blessing of God flow through your life. But the number one reason we fail and we unnecessarily suffer is because we are resolved for our own way, not God's. God help us in that. Number three, integrity. Integrity is proven through character, through character. I just wanna read these verses and just point out some things to you right here. Look at verse eight now. Afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul. So just imagine this happening in the text. Imagine Saul leaves. He, he goes a fair distance away, probably down so that he's away from David. And there's some safety and space there. Saul, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. Notice the respect of David here. Notice how honoring David is in this. David has so much character in the respect that he gives. Um, growing up, my parents, my parents hammered into me, respect your elders. I'm not talking to just church elders. I'm talking about teachers and, and their friends and anyone really older than me, hammered into me. Treat them with respect. Listen to them. Look them in the eyes. Honor them. Never, ever talk back, Robbie. Always be honoring of them. Respect their a position of authority. And how important that is. A, so, a huge part of character is the respect we give to people in our lives, especially those who are in authority over us or those who are in an elder, again, just older elder position in our lives. And you think about our day, how much that's been lost. I remember just walking through a community center last week and I saw this female police officer with all these teenage kids. I don't know exactly what's going on, man. These kids were laughing and joking and just kind of, it seemed like just like almost mocking this situation. I'm just like, I don't know what's really happening. I walked by and I was just, that's just wrong, man. I had a police officer come near me when I was a kid. Man, I'd be terrified out of my boots, you know? And we just think of this and the characters is seen through respect. David David does that here. Notice the text goes in verse nine. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Notice David doesn't blame Saul. He's like, why are you listening to those guys telling you these things? And more respect from David's life. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. Notice character here through mercy. See the mercy of David? He's so filled with the fear of God. It's the mercy of God that fills his life. He said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. So much character here in David's life. And then notice in verse 11, David says, see my father? Now that's interesting. He calls Saul his father. Why? Well, David was the son-in-law of Saul. Remember that? So with more respect and more honor, see my father? See the corner of your robe in my hand? 
For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see there is no wrong or treason in my hands. You know how powerful it is? David here is filled with such integrity. That's another part of his character. It's the whole message, but notice. He's like, hey, Saul, there's no treason in my hands. I could have killed you. I didn't. How, how wonderful it is to live with a clear conscience. Some of us in this room right now, we don't have that clear conscience. And in fact, as some things are said, even this message, you're kind of figuratively, but also physically kind of looking around going, oh man, I hope I don't get caught. I hope I don't get caught. That's a terrible way to live. Oh, it's awful. I had enough experience of it to say, I hate it so much. It's awful. But to live with a clear conscience, David had that, man. David had that, the integrity. He says, I've not sinned against you. Isn't that amazing that you can, on all honesty, with integrity and self-awareness, look into a situation and say, I have not sinned against you. And if you have sinned, to say, I have sinned against you, please forgive me. That's a powerful way to live. That's seen through character. He says, I've not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. And look at verse 12. He says, may the Lord judge between me and you and may the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked come wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Notice here, David saying, my character is seen through my goodness. You come at me to kill me. I repay you the evil you have with goodness. I repay evil with good. Such a sign of integrity within our lives. And David says, he says, the proverb says, out of the wicked comes wickedness. He's like, Saul, man, if I was really wicked, like you think I was, you'd be dead by now. But he says, I'm not. I'm trying to serve my God. And with integrity, he says, there's, there's goodness seen. Character has goodness. And then character has humility. Look at verse 14. After whom has the king of Israel come out? He's still talking to Saul. After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? Now, this isn't false humility. This is David talking about himself. And I'm telling you, if we could relate to one another like this, that would solve so many problems. We could say, I'm a dead dog. I'm a flea. I'm telling you, like, I mean, it's kind of kind of funny, but it's kind of true. You give me a marriage of two people, they're like, I'm a dead dog, I'm a flea. And the person, no, 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 I'm a dead dog, I'm a flea. Like, I, I like what's gonna happen there because the Bible says outdo one another with showing honor. You have leaders within the church, I'm a dead dog, no, I'm a flea, I'm a dead dog, I'm a flea. And all stuff. And he says, but you mean it? Like you mean it? Because what does the Bible say? Consider others more significant than yourselves. What does the Bible say? Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. What does the Bible say? I must decrease, he must increase. I'm a dead dog, I'm a flea. That's a great little, you can take that home with you today and practice it in your, in your home. It might be fun, I don't know, all right? But if you mean it, it's powerful. A true self-assessment of, I can't believe I'm even here. I can't believe I'm even in the game. True humility, it goes so far. You know, that's why we try to hire humility at this church more than anything else, because humility just solves so many problems by themselves. You give me a humble man or woman of God and they will self-correct before someone needs to correct them. the character of David. And finally, I just, I wrote this down on his character, still in point three, he's a character through love, character through love. David's pleading for reconciliation. Verse 15, may the Lord therefore judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. He, he, he wants reconciliation. Yes, he is being attacked with hatred and evil, but he responds with love. So David here, notice in the face of evil, David loves. David indeed is a type of Christ. He is not the Christ, but he is a foreshadow of Christ, 
a life filled with integrity. Sam Storms has this quote on integrity. I want you to see here. I really like it. Integrity, this is a good summary. Integrity does not mean sinless, but it does describe people who by God's grace sin less. Yes, that's good. So integrity doesn't mean we don't sin. It's not sinless. But here's the key. Again, it describes people by the grace of God. It's Christ in us, loved ones. It's Christ in us. We're going to see that in a little bit too. It's people who sin less because of Christ in them. Integrity is a relentless battle. It is a resolve for God's way. It is proven through character. And finally, this, integrity number four, integrity will be something that will impact other people. Integrity will impact other people. Now, integrity will not necessarily be contagious. It can be, it can be for sure, but not everyone's gonna love our integrity. But listen, it will be this, it will be convicting. Verse 16, look at verse 16. Again, live in the text, imagine this happening. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good where I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you've dealt well with me and that you did not kill me when the Lord, look, he knows us, the Lord, when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will let him go away safe? So I was like, I wouldn't do that. So may the Lord reward you for good, what you have done to me this day. Verse 20, and now behold, I know that you shall surely be king that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, verse 21, swear to me you won't kill my family then. I, I honestly, in some ways, feel so bad for Saul. Notice Saul in this situation, the integrity of David now strikes Saul's heart. David comes out, he's like, I'm gonna, or Saul comes out, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you. And then David heaps like uh, coals, burning coals on top of Saul's head through his righteousness as an integrity. And Saul just breaks down in the midst of it. And Saul lifts up his voice and he weeps, it says. You know what we're seeing here? We're seeing a glimmer of the man Saul was meant to be. We're also seeing, watching Saul's life. And Saul, we see a, he's tormented within. There's a conflict. He knows what's right. He knows the truth, but his heart is so hard, he won't fully get broken and actually be transformed. He sees the goodness of David, it breaks him. And he's like, oh, you should be king. And he's crying. And he's like, you're more righteous than I. And I know God's hands upon you and you've done good to me. And he's devastated to the point he leaves and doesn't pursue David in this stage. But what we know is he's not truly changed because two chapters later, he resumes his attack and wants to murder David. David again, David was a, Saul was a conflicted, tormented man. He understood he had sin in his life. He needed to get resolved, but he would not let God fully in. And that's the devastation of Saul's life. In the end, it killed him. And Saul now is in a horrible place. There are Saul's here today. There are Saul's here in this room right now. And you are conflicted and you are tormented in your sin. You've had moments of brokenness. You've had moments of verbal repentance. You even may have come to the front of the church at times and shed tears on the carpet. But the reality is there has been a worldly sorrow, not a godly sorrow. Why was Saul most upset? Because his life was not turning out the way he wanted it to be the missing piece of Saul. Corinthians explains worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is I'm sad my life stinks. 
Godly sorrow is, I have sinned against the Lord Almighty. And there's a massive difference. Worldly sorrow is, I'm sad, I cry because my life isn't what I thought it would be. Godly sorrow is, my sin has offended you, O Lord. I need to get right with you, God, not God. You be a genie and fix my life so I can live it in the way I want it to be. Saul had worldly sorrow. He never got to godly sorrow. He never truly repented and broke down and let God fully in. And he was so conflicted then. And some some are here right now and you are in the same spot. You've been so close of bending the knee and confessing with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. So close at times to truly laying it down and surrendering everything, but it's never fully happened. And so therefore you have never truly changed. And unless you, unless you give up once and for all and understand your sin has been against the Lord himself, then you will continue to be tormented and conflicted and wrestling with all that's with inside and lack peace and fill with stress and anxiety and ultimate misery because you've never fully given in to Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life. I mean, how serious is what I just said? How, how serious is that? Do we move on and hurry from it? Are you kidding me? If that is you right now, I pray you would know it. And I pray you would run as fast as you can to Jesus Christ who has open arms for you and will pour grace upon your life and love and mercy in a way that you've never fully known. But this will take all of your pride to be destroyed and all of the grace of God to produce humility within you that you can truly have integrity in your life. I feel so bad for Saul, so close and yet so far away. We see here though, notice the impact of David's integrity, David's self-restraint, David's patience, David's love. It had such an impact upon the lives that were around him. I just want you to notice this too. I want you to notice David's, um, the patience, the self-control and the love are all fruits of God's spirit, of course. So a man or woman after God's own heart filled with integrity, rooted in God's spirit, having the fruit of God's spirit, all rooted in the Lord. It's all tied together, but it's all tied together. You pursue the Lord, you love the Lord and God's will starts to flow down your life. Here's an illustration that I've used before and I want you to see, I want you all to see this, okay? So here's a pyramid of glasses. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is the top glass, okay? If you've ever seen those pyramid of champagne glasses, they fill the top glass, it overflows, it fills this row, they keep flowing in, and second, third, fourth row, all the whole pyramid begins filled. If this is our life right here, Jesus Christ is the top glass. What we do so often is we wanna fill sections of our lives. We're like, hey, make my work, make my, make my family good. I wanna have a good little piece over here, whatever. But if you fail to fill your top glass with Jesus Christ, then you are missing portions of your life. When you seek first the kingdom, when you understand Jesus Christ, love God, heart, soul, mind, strength, set your mind on things above, Colossians 3. When Jesus Christ is your top glass and you seek him and you fill your life with him, you wake up, you call upon him, you pray to him, you get the work. And this is why I say this all the time, because this is how to live life. This is the secret to life, which isn't supposed to be a secret. Jesus Christ is everything. You fill your life with him as much as you possibly can. And what inevitably happens, he overflows into family and work and future and all the way, everything in your life, he overflows in thought, word, and deed, and nothing is left unimpacted by the thoughts and the word and the blessing of Jesus Christ upon your life. But you must start here. If you do not fill your top glass with Jesus Christ, inevitably you will miss out in areas of your life. 
It seems so simple. In some ways, it really is simple. It's difficult, but it's so beautiful. This is what integrity understands. This was a man after God's own heart. Fill my top glass, Lord, and then you lead me from there because, man, I don't know what, what's going on, but I believe that you will lead me and you will show me as I'm resolved to see my life filled with you. And loved ones, that's why as we take this message right now, we understand this is the secret to everything we're trying to do. The fa a fail from this message today is to walk out of here and say, okay, integrity, I'm gonna try harder tomorrow. I'm gonna be more filled with integrity. I'm gonna do it. No, no, you won't do it. No, no, you'll last for a couple of minutes and then you'll be, I'll probably trip over you as I'm walking out of the church, right? You'll be lying in the sidewalk going, eh, like that, okay? But as you understand, I get as low as I possibly can and I want to fill my life through repentance to Jesus Christ and the love of God and oh Lord Jesus Christ, I need you to be me. It's not us living for Christ, as we heard beautifully recently, it's Christ's life in us. And then that comes through us. And there's a massive difference. His strength, his glory, his passion, his love, his heart. This is why we must abide in him. And then we see integrity. And that's why today then, what a wonderful way to do that for where you are and where I am. And some of us filled with integrity, some of us lacking that right now, but all of us in need of Jesus Christ. You're listening to Live in the Light with Robbie Simons. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.